Masechet Pesachim has been dedicated by Mr. Ike J. Shehebar in honor of his grandparents, Mr. Ike and Jeanette Bibi. We bless Mr. Ike Shehebar, who's been a sponsor of the Dafyomi for many uh, days. They should continue to enjoy success, health, and happiness. May his grandparents also enjoy much nachat from him as well as all their grandchildren, and may they only share in Simachot for the entire family. Amen. Daf Yud Aleph. Today's daf has been dedicated by Mr. Sam Dome in honor of the rabbi. Today's daf is being studied in Fuashilema, the Benu Yitzhak Kaduri Ben Tufecha. We are going to begin on Daf Yod, two lines from the bottom. Just to review, we had a machloket in our Mishnah between Rabbi Huda and the Hachamim. And in that machloket, we had a machloket, Rashi and Tosafot had interpreted the machloket. According to Shitat Rashi, Rabbi Yehuda holds that you could make bedikat hametz on or yudalid, that's the night of yudalid, and then ub yudalid shahrit, and in shahrit, which means the next day, if you didn't make it the night before. And then when the Mishnah says ub tabi'ur, that means in the sixth hour. But according to Rabbi Yehuda, after the sixth hour, which means once hametz becomes asur, you cannot make bedikat hametz anymore. And the Hakamim come along and say, no, you're allowed to make Bidikat Hametz even a Haram Mu'id. Even after the sixth hour, it is still permissible to make the Bidikat um, up until the holiday itself. Rashi Tatrashi. Tosfot learned that the Hakamim say you can even make Bidikat Hametz on the holiday itself and even after the holiday. But all the Rishonim agree that the Biuda holds you cannot make Bidikat Hametz Bishat Isur. That is clear. And obviously the Biuda makes a Gezerah. What's his Gezerah? That if you're going to make Bidikat Hametz in Sha'at Isur, you might forget and you might unwittingly take some Hametz and put it in your mouth and eat it. So he doesn't want you to get involved with the Bidikat. So the Gemara says, Umi Gazar Bihuda Dilma Atte Does the Biuda make such a Gezerah that he's concerned that you might come to eat from the Hametz? We have a Mishnah. So let's review a law of Qurban Omer. On the second day of Pesach, in Eretz Israel, which is the first day of Chol Moed, they used to bring a special Qurban from year to year. It was called Qurban Omer. What was the uh, purpose of this Qurban? Well, once the Kohanim brought the Qurban, all the wheat from the last harvest now became permissible to eat. Now, anything that was uh, planted and took root from before the Qurban Omer is permissible. Anything that was planted and took root after the Qurban Omer, you have to wait till the next year, and the next year's Qurban Omer is matirit. So there was an interesting practice that the Gemara tells us that they used to do in Yerushalayim. In the markets of Jerusalem, they wanted to have the flour ready for market, for sale, right after the Qurban was brought. So what would they do? They themselves would go before the Pesach, and they would cut the wheat, and they would grind it, and they would make flour, and they would roast it, they would make what's called kali, 
which is dry roasted uh, flour, then they would package it already, they bring it to the markets of Jerusalem, they wouldn't sell it yet, you can't sell it, uh, no, there's not going to be any customers, you can't eat it. They would wait until the second day of Pesach, after Korban Omer. now already the goods are available, now the customers would come to the marketplace, already they could buy the ready-made flour. Now the question is going to be, is that a good practice or not? Because at the time that they were processing this flour, it was Sha'at Isur. It was before the Qurban was brought. So the Gebara says, Tenan, we learned, Meshikarava Omer, already from the, when the Omer was already brought, Yotzin, Umotzi'in, Shukei, Rushalayim, Shehem, Mele'im, Kemah, Bekali. Already the marketplaces of Jerusalem were filled with merchandise. Rashi says on the bottom, Rashi, Meshikarava Omer, Bobayom. That day itself, Yotzim, Umotzim, Shukei, Rushalayim, Mele'im, Kemah, Bekali, Mena Hadash, Limkor. It's for sale. And before Yom Tov, it was processed. At a time where the Kemah was, Isur. This was against the uh, will of the Hakamim Devreda Bimi'ir. Why? Rashi tells us, The Ika Lemigzar, Dilma Ki Ma'askebe Atele Mechal Mineh. Because it, ah, that at the time that they're going to be processing the wheat, they might come to eat it. And since it's Sha'at Isukos before the Qurban Omer, Hakamim were against it. However, Rabbi Yudha Omer, Birtson Hakamim Hayu Osin. Rabbi Yudha says, no, it was Birtson Hakamim. It was okay. Velo Kagazar Rabbi Yudha. And Rabbi Yudha did not make a Gezerah, Dilma Ateh Lemechalmine. He didn't make a Gezerah, they might come to eat from it. Oh, so the question is, why by hametz? You don't let me to make bedikat hametz after Sha'at Isur. Because what? I might come to eat the hametz. But you let these guys process the flour. Bishat Isur. How come you don't say Dilma Ka'achil Mineh? Atele Mechal Mineh? So the Gebra says, Amar Rabbah Shani Hadash. Mitok Shelo Hitartalo El Al Yedek Kituf Hu Zakhur. Meaning, the law is. That when you're cutting the Omer before Sha'at Heter, meaning at Sha'at Isur, you're not allowed to cut it in the normal fashion. What's the normal fashion? You take a sickle and you cut the wheat. However, Kodim Sha'at Omer, you have to make what's called Kituf. Kituf is you pull it out of the ground with your hand. And therefore, that's a Shinui. So since the whole cutting of the wheat is done Bishinui in a not normal fashion, you, you remember. The guy's going to think, what am I have to cut it this way over here for? Oh, because it's Isur. So therefore, since it's Isur, he's not going to come and eat it. So the Gemara says, Amar le'abaye, tina'ah b'sha'at ketifah. That explains, at the time of the ketifah, you have a shinui. Tehinal arkada ma'ika lememar. That's only one process. Then you have the grinding. And if you have the grinding, making it into flour, you have the sifting. Now, the chaurah, at that point, if you're doing it in the normal fashion, you have the same gezerah. You might come to eat the flour. So the Gebra says, Hala kashya, tehina birhiya diyad, harkada al pa, al pa. Which means, you're right, you're also making the grinding in a not normal fashion. Normally they would use make the grinding with a windmill that was run by water. And therefore, that was the normal way. Here they're saying now you would grind the flour before uh, the holiday. 
you do it biyad, rehaim shalyad. You would take a grinder and do it with your hands. That's a shinui. Therefore, the guy's not going to come to eat because he knows he's doing it in an abnormal fashion. And the harkada, normally you would make with a sieve. You know, they put the flour in and you, you shake it and uh, the sediments go out. Here we're saying he'll, he'll, he'll use the sieve upside down. And therefore, since he's holding the sieve in the not normal fashion, it's also considered a shinui. So comes again what says. Now, how do we just know, incidentally, that at Sha'at Isur, you can only make ketifa, you only can pluck it, and you can't use a, a sickle. So let's read the second Rashi. Mitoch, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Mitoch Shloh Tartalo, Ketsira, Kedere Kol HaShana, Ela Biyadayim. Right, you pull the uh, the ears from the ground. You're not allowed to uh, make it before the Dikhtiv. The Omer is the first time you're allowed to make. So by that he'll remember he's not going to come to eat. Comes again what says, Elahaditnan. Oh, but we learned in the Mishnah. The Mishnah is going to tell us that there's certain areas. Uh, one area is going to be called Beta Shalachin. That's an area, a field that doesn't have sufficient rainwater. It's in an area where there's not enough rain. Or there's a, another area, the uh, Amakim. Those are like the valley areas. What's the common denominator between these two areas? The Wheat that grows in these places are inferior. And therefore the halakha says you're not allowed to bring the korbana omir, which is important from the grains of the field, you cannot bring them from these fields. Because it has to be minam mubhar, it has to be from the choice. And therefore the law is like this. Since these fields do not qualify for bringing korbana omir, you're allowed to cut from these fields in the normal way. She's the only time you need a shinui is if you're cutting from a field that you can bring Qurban Omer from. But if it's not a field that qualifies for Qurban Omer, you're even allowed to cut Ragil. Uh, so we're back to the question. How come you don't make a gizarah for these guys that are get, let's say, from the Beta Shalahim and the Amamakim? So what's the problem? These guys are going to cut regularly. There's not going to be a shinui, and therefore there's no way for them to remember they're going to come to eat it. How come the Buddha doesn't make a gizarah? So I read this inside. We learned in the Mishnah. In these places over here, the fields <coughs> that do not get sufficient rainwater, or the amakim, those are the uh, fields, uh, the, the wheat that grows by the valleys, you're allowed to cut in the normal fashion. Have a look, Gochin. You just can't make them into uh, bundles. Oh, and this is following the biuda. But Jesus Rabbi Yudah is the one that subscribes to this opinion. That says what? You could make Kitsida in the normal fashion. Also, now we have this question on the Yudah to the Yudah. If you're cutting in the normal fashion, Ma'ika lememar, how come you're not going to make a Gezira? Ela Amar Abayeh. So Abayeh gives a whole new answer to explain the Yudah. Chadash badil mineh. Hametz lo badil mineh. This is the ultimate Sabara. Chadash all year long, Badil A person abstains from it. All, all year long he knows that this hita you can't eat. This wheat you can't eat. Asur. Badil He separates himself from it. Why? Because it's Isur. Therefore, anything that's Badil I don't have to make a gezerah. Let him process it. Since he's so used to not eating it, I'm going to say, why should I make a gezerah? He's not going to come to eat it as well. <laughs> However, exactly. But Hametz, no Badil Hametz is eating all year round. 
And therefore, we're worried since he's so used to eating the hametz, if he's going to make a bedikah after Sha'at Isur, it's also going to come to eat the hametz. So that's basically the Semarab Rebuda, that's going to stand to the Maskanab the Gemara. The difference is going to be, Badil Mine or Lo Badil Mine. So Rabbah comes along and says, so you just brought a question from one Nabiuda to the other Nabiuda, meaning you asked from Hametz and you asked the question from Omer. But what? It's not a contradiction from the rabbis to the rabbis? Because let's analyze. The same rabbis that allowed you to check Hametz after Sha'at Isur, which incidentally is Rabbi Meir, because he's the Bar Prukta against Rabbi Yehuda. He's the same rabbi that said that those guys that were processing the wheat called him Ha'omer, Shalom Ritzon Hachamim. So make up your mind. Just like he asked the question on Rabbi Yehuda, you can ask the same question on Rabbanan. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda, Lakashiah, Kedesharina. Alright, you answered Rabbi Yehuda. He said, Badil Mine, Lo Badil Mine. You made a difference between Hametz and Omer. However, the Rabbanana, the Rabbanan, Namel Koshya. So the Gemara says, you know what? It's not a question on the rabbis either. Who atzmo mehazir alav lesurfo? Mechal ka'achil mine? What do you mean? He's involved in making bedikat hametz. What's the whole purpose of bedikat hametz? To destroy the hametz and get rid of it. What are you going to tell me? At the time that he's making bedikat hametz to get rid of it, he's going to forget and eat it? Which means by the Omer, there's no reminder. There's nothing, uh, nothing going to stop him over here. Which means bottom line, when he's cutting the Omer over there, what's going to happen? He, unwittingly, he might stick some of the uh, food in his mouth. That's why Rabbi Meir says, Because there he's not doing anything anti. He's just uh, cutting Omer. Here, when he's checking for Hametz, it's anti. His Kavanah is what? Get rid of the Hametz because it's Isur. What? At the time, he's getting rid of it. Because he knows it's Isur, what? At that moment, Mish'at Bi'ur, he's going to come now and eat it. So that's the rabbi's difference between by Omer they were Mahmir, and by Bidikat Hamas they were <coughs> Mekel. Comes again and continues. Now, incidentally, uh, just to go back for one moment to backpedal, what we learned earlier that we said in the Beta Shalachim, in these inferior fields that don't produce a good product, it's permissible to cut them normally. Where do we know that from? So let's read the Rashi. Veshel Bet Ha'amakim. Because it says in right? You cut so how do you reconcile? One person says you can cut always, one person says another. The first cutting has to be the Omer. From the place that you bring the Omer from, and why don't you bring from this? So that she says at the end, since it's not the choice. So therefore, the, the, that's the source. You have two pesukim. Uh, one is referring to regular fields, and one is talking about beta In any event, the Gemara continues. So Ravashi is going to give a different answer. The difference between Hametz 
why he says it's Asur, to check it after Sha'at Isur, and why the Omer was Mutar, before Sha'at Isur, during Sha'at Isur. So he says, Rebuda the Rebbe Kashya, Kemah Vekali Tenan. You have to remember what was said over here. It said Kemah Vekali. And Kali and Kemah, it's not edible. People don't eat Kemah and Kali. And therefore, since you don't eat it, which means they dry roast it. Once you dry roast it, it's not edible. They have to process it again. When they sell it, the guy goes home and he makes again the dough out of it, whatever he does. But in this play, place where it's dry, it's not edible. So what kind of gizzard I'm going to make? What kind of gizzard are you going to make? You, you can't eat it. So the Gemara says, Oh, This what Rav Asheh said is baduta, meaning it's uh, it's false. He couldn't have made such a statement. If he made it, it's, 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 it's impossible. It's, 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 it's incorrect. Why? You're right. Once it's dry roasted, at that point it's not edible. But it's a process to get it to Kali, by the way. Until it becomes totally dry, it's still edible. So therefore, why don't you make it at that point, until it gets totally dry, that you might come to eat it. So that, that's not an answer, it's not edible. So the Gemara says, Oh, you'll answer me. What do you mean? You have a Shinui. Didn't I tell you we have a shinu like Rav said above that you can't cut it in the normal way? You have to make kituf so the kituf will remind you that you can't eat it. Ela kotsin b'tashilachin b'shvamakim ve'okim nakin be'yudam ha'ikalemimar. Ah, but we're going to ask you a question. What about from those fields that you're allowed to use regular kitsira? We said that that's going according to Rabbi Yehuda. Then what are you going to say when there's no shinui? Finish. You have to say it's fiction, meaning it's a it's a false statement, and therefore we go back to our original answer of what badil mine or lo badil mine, which means hamed says lo badil inche mine all year round asur. Where Omer you are badil mine kol hashana mutar. Comes the Gemara and says dekolecha de lo badil mine. Mi gazar Rabbi Yehuda. Listen, give me a rule. You're telling me that in a place where he's lo badil, right? like the case of Hametz, he's accustomed to doing it all year round, so then Rabbi Yehuda makes gizirot. Is that so? I'll show you a case where a person is accustomed to doing in his suit, or something I should say, all year round, and still it's mutar. We don't make a gizirah. What's the case? That Tenan. Mishnah in Masechet Shabbat. A person should not take an eggshell and make a little hole in it. And you fill the eggshell with oil. And place it next to the ner. What is the ner? Always when the Gebra says ner, ner means a receptacle. You have a receptacle with a wick inside of it, right? Now you're going to put the shefofer shel and it's going to drip, teef, teef. It's going to drip into the receptacle, and uh, it's going to you know, be the fuel source for the ner. Don't do that in order that it should be minatev, meaning tif tif. And even if it's not an eggshell, even if it's made out of heres, which is ma'us, which is disgusting, do not do such a thing. Why? Because the hachamim say, we're worried, there's oil in there. There's beautiful oil. A guy might come on Shabbat, he has his uh, salad, he might come along now, oh, there's oil over here. He might take some of the oil from the shepherd of Eret and put it in a salad. Because once already it's attached and it's going into the 
into the ner. So already by taking the oil away, you're taking away its source. You're taking away its fuel. You're diminishing from the source. And therefore it's a problem of kibui. So comes the Gemara and says, that's the shita of hachamim. Rabbi Yehuda matir. Rabbi Yehuda comes along and says, mutar. Oh, here's the question. What do you mean? All year long, you're accustomed to what? Taking oil. And putting it on your salad. And eating it. Lo badil mineh. And even though it's lo badil what are we saying? Still, it's mutar. Uh, why is it different than the case of hametz? Hametz also, you said lo badil and if it's asur. Now when it comes to Shabbat, it's lo badil and you're telling me, mutar? So the camera says, hatam, mishum humra de Shabbat, mivdal bedile. Special thing here, humra of Shabbat. Shabbat is different. Shabbat, the people are more uh, uh, aware, they're more careful, and therefore, yes, granted, lo bedili mineh, but it's not, it's not even as uh, the awareness that people have to hamitz. Shabbat is Shabbat. And therefore, even though it's custom for him, his awareness for Shabbat is very strong, and Shabbat is hamur on him, therefore he's not going to uh, get involved with it. So that's the answer between all, that's the answer between hamitz and Shabbat. Now the Gemara says, Oh yeah? Now I'm going to bring you a stira in Rabbi Yehuda from one Shabbat law to another Shabbat law. So now you can answer me, Shabbat is different. I'm going to show you a stira in Shabbat itself. Why? Netanya. We have a right. You have the rope that's attached to the deli. Deli would be the bucket. Right? Shnefsak. What does it mean, nefsak? It snapped, right? Not Shabbat. He needs to. He needs to get the rope on the bucket. He wants to draw water. So the Gemara says, "Lo koshro." You cannot take the two ends now and tie it. That would be isur, because that would be a kesher shel kayama. Because you would leave it there like that. Kesher shel kayama is one of the av. Belakot. You have to make knots. Ela onbo. What do you do on Shabbat? Make a bow. A bow is permissible. Then after Shabbat, you'll go make a permanent knot. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Korech ala funda opiskia. Ubilvad shelo yanvenu. Rabbi Yehuda says, no, you can't even make a bow. All you do is, you wrap around it a pundia. Right, the Chamim explained the pundia is a hollow belt. Or a piskia. Piskia is like a guard they put around the thighs. So therefore, take one of these items and don't even tie it. Just. Make chirichot, just wrap it around in order to keep it in place. Which means the Biuda does not even allow to make a aniva. And at this point we're thinking, why can't you make an aniva? Because we're worried if you make a, let the guy make an aniva which is permissible, he might come to make a kesher. Oh, what do you mean? You just told me the Biuda, Homer of Shabbat, people know the series of Shabbat. When it came to Shufa Ferit Shabbatah, would you tell me the Biuda Matir? Why? Uh, the home of Shabbat, guy's not going to come and do something Isur. Uh, when it came to this case over here, you're saying, the what? Don't even make an Anibah. Why? Because you, you might come to make uh, Isur Shabbat. What are you talking about? So the Gemara says, Kasha Adrabi Uda. First of all, we see it's a question on Adrabi Uda. Kasha Adrabi Now we have a contradiction, incidentally, from the rabbis to the rabbis. Because when it came to Shifa Fedeshil Betzah, what did the rabbi say? Asur. Why? God might take the oil. 
Oh, so you're making gezerot. Very good. But how come you let the guy make an aniba? How come you don't make a gezerot that he might come to make a permanent knot? So we have a kashya, ben rabbanan, banan. So the Gemara says, Ben rabbanan, ad rabbanan, kashya, shemen, beshemen, mehlaf. Oil to oil, it's similar. They say, what's the difference between this oil and the shiva ferret or the oil that I usually eat? Mm-hmm. So therefore, you confuse between one oil and another. Right. It's, a, it's a logical gezerah. You might come to think of this oil. However, But to make a difference, to make a mistake between a bowl and a knot, you're not going to make a mistake. There's such a gezerah. Two different type of uh, knots over here. One's a bowl, one's a knot. Therefore, no gazar. You thought the reason of Rabbi Uda is that the reason why Aniva is Asur is because he makes a Gizra Aniva Atu Kishira? No, that's not the reason. Because as we learned the Masikh Shabbat, that what? That Aniva itself, according to Rabbi Uda, is Isur on its own. The Masadi Gizra, which is really. It stands to be. The Buddha says, Homer Shabbat. People know the series of Shabbat, if you really don't have to make Gezerot. That's why when it comes to Shem Avedet Shem Betzah, Rabbi Yehuda Matir. I'm not going to be concerned that a guy might come take out the oil to use it for his uh, personal purposes. Oh, so how come he's Osir Ariva? Yeah, he's not Osir Ariva at something. He's Osir Ariva because Ariva is a sur. It's a sur on its own. Good, so we reconcile this. This comes again what says, Now regarding this issue of the knots, we're going to bring a contradiction between the rabbis to the rabbis. How? Because we have a Mishnah. What does the Mishnah say? Koshrin deli bepiskiya. You have, let's say, a deli, that's the bucket. A piskiya would be this hollow belt. So on Shabbat it says, you're allowed to take this piskiyah and you're allowed to make a knot. Why are you allowed to make a knot? Because you don't usually leave a belt on the uh, bucket, on the pail. So this would be a keshe she'en shil kayama. It's not a permanent knot. Non-permanent knots are permissible on Shabbat. So therefore, because you don't want to ruin the belt, eventually you're going you're to undo it. However, avalo behevel. But you cannot take a rope. A rope, for that, you're going to attach it to the Dili on Shabbat. It's a permanent knot. It's going to be Avmelacha. Rabbi Yehuda says Mutar. She says, whatever the Hachimim will say, they will say Hevel, right? Rabbi Yehuda says Mutar. So they give us, oh, before we even ask our question, what are we talking about? Hevel Demai. What type of Hevel, what type of rope are we discussing over here? Ilema Hevel De'alma. If you talk about a regular rope, the Rabbi Yehuda Matir, could the Biudah Matir to take a regular rope and tie it to a bucket on Shabbat? Keser shel kayamau. Devaday atel lebatuleh. Because for sure, you're leaving it there. That's a normal thing to do with a rope. You tie it to the bucket. That's a keser shel kayamau. That cannot be the case. Ela peshita de garde. Also, we must be talking about what? The rope that's used by a weaver. Now, the, a weaver's uh, rope it's not a regular rope. And therefore, the hachamim come along and say, Still, I don't want you to make a kesher using a weaver's rope, which would be permissible, because a person doesn't, is not going to leave it there. It's not a strong rope. And therefore, it's mutar. But you know what the hachamim say? Gezira. I don't want you to make a knot on a weaver's rope, because you might come to make a knot on a regular rope. And the Rabbi Uda comes along and says, Mutar. 
I'm not worried about the gazelle. Again, we understand the Bihuda. The Bihuda will say, Homer Shabbat. Finished. Didn't we say already that when it comes to the stringency of Shabbat, people are not going to make a mistake. Therefore, I'm not worried. I don't make an Aniba. Aniba is the story. That's already Yisur Ba'asim. But to make a knot on a weaver's, uh, a knot which is temporary, on a weaver's rope, God gives it up. I don't make it up on this case on Shabbat. Chomer Shabbat is on him. The series of Shabbat. But the question is the rabbis. You rabbis just told me that what? That I can make an Aniba, right? And I'm not Gozer. If I make an Aniba, a bow, that I might come to make a Keshir. And here you're telling me that you do make a Gezerah. That I'm not going to let you use Hevel Gardi, the weaver's rope, Gezerah that you might come to use a regular. So make up your mind, rabbis. Do you make Gezerah by knots? Or don't you make Gezerah by knots? So the Gemara says, the Rabbanan, and here you clearly see that the rabbis made a Gezerah, Hevel de Gardi, you're not going to let you use the weaver's rope, which is not a problem, but we're not going to let you use it. Why? At to Hevel Alma. Oh, so you see they make a Gezerah. So if they make a Gezerah, how come Aniva is Mutar, and you don't make a Gezerah Atu? Keshirah. So the Gebarah says, In. Yes, it works out. Hevel behevel mehlaf. From one rope to a different rope, you can get confused. The guy says, what? Well, let me make a knot with the rope of the Gerdi. I'll make a rope with a regular knot. Therefore, we'll make a Gezerah. Aniva bekshirah lo mehalfa. But to make a mistake from a bow to a knot... That's not going to happen. And therefore, bows are bowed out of the it's a different, uh, It's a different type of uh, knot. So therefore, we don't make gizah. So therefore, let's review. This is the end of this piece. Let's review now Shitat Hachamim and Shitat Rabbi Yudah, how all these inyanim are reconciled. Shitat Rabbi Yudah, let's start with. When it comes to Hametz, he doesn't want you to check Hametz if the Sha'at Isur. Why? Lo in shemine. And since lo bedile in shemineh in the eat hametz all year round, gives it I unwittingly you might come to eat the hametz and the shat isur. Oh, what about Omer? To Omer, you allowed them to process it before, and even in the case where there is no heker, you know why? Because bedile in because the whole year you're not eating Omer. The whole year Omer is isur. So since the whole year there's no reason to be osir. Oh, so you're telling me the Buddha that when you're accustomed to doing something all year round, we all said, what about Shefavere Shalbetzah? Shefavere Shalbetzah, you told me, is mutar, the Buddha matir. Ah, you might come to take the oil. Chumrah, the Shabbat. Shabbat is different. Oh, Shabbat is different. Then how come you all said by the knots to make an aniva? That was all said because it's a suf. Not because of a gizera, because making uh, aniva is indeed... Uh, Isur, okay? So that's the opinion. And uh, Hanaya, the Bihuda himself said, he's Matir Hevel Gardi. And he doesn't make a Gezera Hevel Gardi at to a regular Hevel. So what do you see? The Bihuda doesn't make a Gezerot. Why? Because Chumrah de Shabbat Aleh. That is the Shita of the Bihuda. Now let's go understand Shita. Hakamim throughout the Sugya. Hakamim, they were the ones that said, well, on Pesach, or Shat Isur will say better. It's mutar to make bedikat hametz. Mutar. And they don't make a gezerah that you might come to eat it. Uh, what's the logic? So the logic is, uh, I'm getting rid of it. That's my kavanah, is anti. To get rid of it. I'm going to come down and make a mistake to eat it. And that's why when it comes to Omer, 
they were against it because the Omer over there, there's uh, you, you, there's no there's no anti. You're cutting the Omer, you're doing it in the normal fashion in the Bet Shalachim, for example, and therefore there's nothing that's going to remind you of it. Therefore, you're going to have a problem of coming to eat it. Oh, and once that's uh, said, now we understand Hakamim Shita by Shabbat. Hakamim said what? When it came to Shifafirit Silbetsa, you shouldn't uh, uh, you shouldn't uh, you put the Shifafirit Silbetsa. Don't fill it up with oil. Why? Because uh, you're not doing anything that's going to stop you. Uh, you might come to just take the uh, oil until by this problem of Mechabeh. Oh, when it came to the case of the uh, heaven. When it came to the case of the Hevel also, the Hevel were concerned that what? If I let you make a knot in a Hevel uh, Gardi even, which is the Chaurah Mutar, you might come to make a knot in a... Wait, and there's, no, there's nothing to stop you. They don't go with this Humrah de Shabbat. That's the Behuda's uh, item. Hachemim don't say the special thing of Shabbat is going to keep you away from it. So basically that is the Shitab de Hachemim throughout the Sugya. Comes the... Gemaran continues... So the Gemara keeps on pressing. The Gemara says, hey, you give me a rule. When it's, when a person's, you know, stays away from like the case of the Omer, where he was away from it uh, all year round, he doesn't eat it. So the Behuda didn't make a Gezerah. Is that true? Why? Okay, we have a Mishnah. Let's review some of the laws of Bechor. What is a Bechor? A person has an animal, first out of the womb, he has to give it to the <coughs> Kohen. <coughs> Bechor is an entitlement to the Kohen. What does the Kohen do with it? He brings it as a Korban, and then the meat becomes his. Part of the meat of the animal becomes his. Now that's if it's a Bechor that does not have a womb. However, if the Bechor has a womb in it, that's the advantage of the Kohen. Because then the Kohen keeps the whole animal. Obviously cannot bring it as a Korban. Torah does tell us clearly that it is forbidden to make a Bechor, a Baal Mum. You cannot go directly and cause a Mum. Nor can you even make a Mum indirectly. You're not allowed to uh, make a Girama, even an indirect Mum. And Nakamim learned that uh, from the Pasuk, it says, Kol Mum, meaning any type of Mum. You're not allowed to make in the, in the Bechor. Let's read Rashi, four lines from the bottom. Bechor. Asula tilbo Mum afil legrom, kedetanya, Mum lo yehiebo, enli ela shelo yatilbo Mum. Minayin shelo yigrom lo, tabud lomar, Kol Mum. Very good. So now we discuss a case where you had a Bechor, and it got sick. When it had got sick, there was a lot of blood, excessive blood running through the uh, animal. So what did you want to do? You need to make hakazah. You need to pierce the animal in order to let some blood out. Now, technically, this should be mutar. Why? Because letting blood is not necessarily a moon. <laughs> Unless you make it in a spot that will become a permanent moon. For example, if you pierce it, let's say, in the lip or in the eye or places like that where it's not going to heal, it might be, or it will be a permanent womb and therefore, badai it's asur. But the chawarai can find a spot on the animal 
you pierce it, you let some of the blood out, the animal gets better, and what's going to happen to this mum? It's considered a mum over It passes, it'll get better after a couple of days, and the, uh, it stays in its kedusha. So the Gemara it heals. So the Gemara says, we learned, Bechor she'ahazo dam. Okay? It has excessive blood. It's sick. Afilu hu mit. Even if it's going to die from such a, from such a situation, in mekizim lo dam. You cannot be mekiz dam from the animal. Bashi. Even in a spot that's not going to make a mum, the hainu, bechol makom shebo, im eno hotik mimenu etzim, let's say you don't have to take out a, a limb from it, or pogim sefato, or ozno, or its lip, or you're not going to rip off its part of its ear, bechol davas sheeno hozele kadmuto, if it's not going to return back to its original way, have a mum. Idach lo have a mum. The Kagazar Bihuda, so the Bihuda was the author of this statement, makes a gezera. Atu makom she'osebomum. So he says, don't make a mum in any part of the animal, do not make hakaza, because we're worried you might come to do it in a place where it makes it a mum. Now, even though you're badil, nobody goes close to a behemoth kodesh. You know, don't blemish it, don't wound it. So this is a case where you badil mine all year round, and still the biyuda makes a gezera. Let's read that inside. The Gemara says, "En mikizin lo dam devrei the biyuda." Ba'chem imomrim yakiz. I can say no problem. You can let blood ubelvachli yatil bo mum. As long as you don't do it in a spot where it's going to cause a permanent wound. So the Gemara says, "Ah, give me the answer." Hatam. Because a person, when it comes to money, money causes a person to get all flustered, all panicked. And therefore, what's going to happen? If you're going to allow him to start making hakaza in this animal, He's going to make it in a place where there is going to cause a mum. Why? That's it. Again, it's to the Kohen's advantage that this animal doesn't die. Once the animal dies, you can't eat it. You can't benefit from it. Yeah, you might get the hides from it, but you cannot have the, the meat. It's a nevera. So if it's okay, and it's his advantage, i got to keep this animal alive. So he didn't do anything. So therefore, the Buddha says, oh, once there's money involved, you can't let the man near the animal. Because you don't think straight. Which is, if I'm going to stop matiting him, to stop making wounds in places that are mutar, since the guy's flustered and the guy's not thinking straight because he sees dollar signs in front of him, so he might come to make a wound in a place where he's not allowed. So that's good. You're right. Really, he's badil mine. Really is badil mean, and it should be permissible, but what? You have the bahul factor. The bahul al-mamono factor changes the dynamics of the case. Comes the rabbis and says, banan kol shekin. The rabbis say, all the more so. The ilo sharit leklal atel me'abad. Rabbis have the reverse sevara. They say, you're only making things worse by not letting him do anything. 
by not letting him do anything, so now already he's going to come to make Isur. Why? Rashi, Kol Sheken, top line. Right, since the guy's flustered when it comes to his Bechor, What's going to happen? You tell everything's Asur. What's going to happen? The guy can't control himself. So you know what he's going to do? He's going to make a move in a place that doesn't, it's not a problem. But you know what? If he does that, the guy's going to come along and say, what's the difference? I'm doing it already. If I'm doing it over here, it's not a problem. What's the difference if I do it in another place? Therefore, he's Bahul. Therefore, if you don't allow him to do anything, he's going to transgress, and he's going to end up transgressing on which you didn't want him to transgress. So therefore, Rabbanan say, you know what? Because he's Bahul, you better allow him to do something. If you tell him, listen, you can only do this, but you can't do that, you got ready. But if you can't, if you can't do anything, so now already he's going to start doing both of them. He's going to make really the Isur. Look at the Lashon of Rashi. He's going to go against you anyway. And you know what? Once he does it, He's going to come and say, what's the difference? I'm transgressing anyway. What's the difference if I do it over here where it doesn't make a moon or it doesn't make a moon? So that's the Semarah of the Hakamim. Comes the Gemara and says, Umiyamrenan, Rabbi Huda, Adam Bahud al Mamono. That Gemara goes on another point. So you're telling me that Rabbi Huda holds this concept, Adam Bahud al Mamono. That when it comes to money, people get flustered and disoriented. And therefore you have to make a lot of gizirot on them because, you know, they're not going to act uh, properly when there's money involved. Is that so? Why? So we learned this is from Masechet Besa, Mishnah. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Rabbi Yehuda says, En mekardin ha biyom tov, habura. Okay, what is mekardin? So that's, they take a certain metal comb, okay? And they comb the animal. And, you know, they take the, uh, this bug sometimes on the animal, or there's some dirt that's on the animal. So they want to comb it, comb it out. So the Gemara says, from the Mishnah, you can't do this on Yom Tov. Why? Because using such a type of metal uh, comb that the teeth are very close to each other, it's going to cut the animal. So it's going to give the animal a habura. We're not talking about a bechor over here. A regular animal. On Yom Tov. And on Yom Tov it's a suit to make a blemish. It's like Shabbat. You cannot make a habura. So therefore you cannot use this comb, Rabbi Yudah says. Aval mekartsefin. What is mekartsefin? Rashi says that would be like a wooden comb. And the wooden comb has thicker uh, bristles. And therefore it's not going to cause a habura. Therefore it's permissible. En mekardin, af en mekartsefin. Hakamim say, no combing whatsoever. Now, Vetanya, and we have a bright on this Mishnah. Ezuhu kidur, the ezu kirtsuf. What are these uh, concepts? Mekardin, mekartsefin. Kidur, ketana. Kidur means the teeth are very small, metal, close to each other. They all see habura, and therefore they make a wound. Kirtsuf gedolin. The teeth or the bristles are big, as we said they're made out of wood. They're all seen habura. Also, now we go back to the question. 
what do you mean? This animal over here now, uh, obviously, because it has mud on it or dirt on it, or how are you going to learn? The animal gets weakened because of this. You're not just cleaning it up because of aesthetics, to make the animal look nice. The animal is in pain, the animal is in sod, and it weakens the animal. So therefore, there's a situation of Adam Bahul, Al-Mamono. But Rabbi Yehuda says, no, use the good comb, and don't worry about it, don't use the bad comb. Oh, what do you mean? What happened to the Adam Bahul Al-Mamono issue? The Buddha should say all combs are forbidden because Adam Baola Mamunov, we let him use the wooden comb, he might come to use the metal comb. How can the Buddha make a haluk? So the Gemara says, Hatam, by the case of the Bechor, the Ishavikle Mayit. If he leaves the animal with that excessive blood and he doesn't do anything, the animal's going to die. Amrinan Adam Bahul Al Mamono. Then you say, Adam Bo don't do anything. Because once the guy's going to see them, he's going to go, uh, he's going to make a moom, that's going to be a problem. Therefore, the Buddha's goes in, Bahula Mamono, don't make any type of hakaza. Aha, ishavikle tsara be'almahu. Here, when the animal has some uh, dirt or mud on its back, okay, so the animal's in pain. It's not life and death. Lo amrinan adam bahun al mamono, and therefore there's no problem. Therefore, I'll allow you to make kitsuf, uh, uh, and I don't make a gezera that uh, you might uh, get flustered because it's really not so much behilut over here because of the fact that it's not uh, life and death. Comes the Gemara and says, "Verbi Yehuda, my shenagabe hametz de gazar." Why, when it comes to hametz, the biuda, you make a gezera and say what? You can't check for the hametz after shat isur. Umay shenagabe kitsuf de lo gazar. Remember, when it came to kitsuf, you didn't make a gezera, which means here you don't make a gezera that kitsuf I might come to do mikarded, mikarded. But by the hametz, you all said. So the Gemara says lechem be lechem mechlaf kidur be kitsuf lo mechlaf. Simple answer, which means bread to bread, you can confuse all year long you're eating bread, correct? Is there a difference between this bread of Isur and the bread that you're eating all year long? There's no difference. So therefore, when it comes to the bread, I'm going to make a gizah, it's the same bread. However, when it comes to kirsuf, this is with one type of comb, this is with a different type of comb. What, I'm excited to make gizahot from uh, one to the other? They're totally different uh, items. So therefore, he does not make a gizahot by the combs, because they are intrinsically different. Mashiachin by the bread, it is the same. Comes the Mishnah. Rabbi Meir Omer. Rabbi Meir taught. Ochlim kol hamish. We're able to eat hamets the entire fifth hour. Uh, let's again give a case here. Let's say sunrise is 6 a.m. So we're talking about over here, uh, let's say from 10 to 11. Okay, 10 begins the fifth hour. Ukhlim kol hamish. He says, no problem, you can eat hamets the whole fifth hour. There's sorfim bitchilat shish. And you have to burn the hamets in the beginning of the sixth hour, which would be at 11. Now, as we learned prior to this, Hametz bin Torah is not asur until the seventh hour. The end of the sixth, the beginning of the seventh, would be twelve o'clock. The Hachamim preempted the isur by one hour because the Hachamim were concerned that you might get confused. 
right? At 12 o'clock, you might think it's only 11. And therefore, you might come to eat. You have a problem. So Rabbi says, you know what? It's a sur at 11. So you won't not make that mistake. Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi says, Ukhlin kol arba. He says, no. Eating hametz from 9 to 10, in the fourth hour. Vitolin kol hamesh. From 10 to 11, you don't have to burn it. You can't eat it. If you want to give it to your animals, it's okay. Vissurfin bitchilat shesh. But what? Again, he agrees that the rabbis told you, you begin burning it in the uh, sixth hour, which is they preempted it uh, at um, the sixth, uh, at 11 o'clock. Now, the reason why they don't want you eating in the fifth hour, we're going to see in the Gemara, because Rabbi Huda holds, it's possible that a guy, even at 12 o'clock, can make a mistake and think it is 10 o'clock. And therefore, we have to assert it even in the uh, fifth hour as well from him eating it. Not only does he make a gizah from at 12 o'clock, he might think it's 11, when you're one hour off, he might think that 12 o'clock is 10 o'clock, so therefore he's two hours off. So the rabbis had to assert eating at least from two hours before. Amr Rabbi Yudah. Rabbi Yudah tells us a minhag, or a custom will say, that was done in the times of the Beit HaMikdash. An Erev Pesah, they would take two loaves, they were actually matzah, of a korban todah, some of them brought a korban todah, and somehow the korban todah became pisula. Come on, I'll explain exactly how the korban became pisula. Now, you can't put this dough or this uh, matzah on the mezbeah. So what did they do? They would take two of those loaves, and they would place it on the itzteba, which would be like a table, that was visible for all the people of Yerushalayim to see. So this would be like a, t- a clock. As long as the people would see the two loaves on the bread, everybody knows, it's still Sha'at Yatir. You can eat hametz. Uh, Once they took one off the table, they're already tolin. That's like the, from 10 to 11. Uh, you don't eat, but you don't burn yet. Once they saw the second loaf taken off the table, which would mean the sixth hour, which means they had a certain minhag, uh, a sign, in the Beit HaMikdash, so people will know exactly where they're holding. Now we get to the third sheet of the Mishnah. So, so far we have what? We have Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda. Rabban Gamliel Omer, kol arba. Cholin, which means regular food, you can eat from 9 to 10. Vitruma kol hamesh. Ah, this way is different. He says when it comes to tiruma, we even allow you to eat it an additional hour. Because since tiruma is kodesh, and the Torah says you have to protect the tiruma, we don't want you to destroy tiruma or not enjoy to eat it at least too early. We'll make a gizirah by chodin. Big deal, so you stop eating chodin at 10 o'clock. But teruma, we don't want you to destroy teruma. We'd rather you eat the teruma. So therefore he gives an extra hour for teruma. And then again, everybody agrees that you start burning at 11. It's just a bang hadush is teruma, we gave you an extra hour. Rashi, v'teruma kol hamesh, de'asul lehafsid kadashim biyadayim kozman she'achol le'ochlan. Very good. So long as you can eat it, we don't want you to just destroy it. So therefore, we give you an extra hour to eat teruma. Comes the Gemara. Gemara is in Sanhedrin. 
Kanan Hatam we learned in Sanhedrin in the Mishnah. We're talking about witnesses now that come to Beddin. And they testify. One guy says the murder took place on the second day, on the second day of the month. The second witness comes along and says on the third day. So the question is, uh, whether we have a contradiction in the witnesses. Do you throw the witnesses out? Do you just say this is a uh, false witnesses here? Or do you go further into the, what's called the bidikot and the hakirot process? Which means, uh, the Torah tells us very clearly that you have to cross-examine the witnesses and you must ask each of them a series of questions in order to verify that they're telling the truth. Right? So the question is, once they're coming along and saying, one guy, sorry, one guy says it's the second day of the month, one guy says it's the third day, finish, so throw them out. Or do you say, no, 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 investigate, they still could be kosher, they still could be viable. So the Gemara says, It's a good testimony. What do you mean, how can it be a good testimony? So the Gemara says, They just don't know exactly when Rosh Chodesh was. As we learned, sometimes Rosh Chodesh can be on the 30th day of the month, and sometimes they make Rosh Chodesh on the 31st day, which we read the, the previous month would be a 30 day, right? So therefore, the guy, one guy said two, one guy said three of the month. They're both saying the same day. It's just that what? They didn't know exactly what the last month was. Was it a 29 day? If it was a 29 day, he says it's the second. If it's a 30 day, he says it's the third. Edutan kayemet. We're not worried about it. Of course we'll investigate them and we will, uh, we will question them. Now. Normally, the deen is, Ve'etzilu et'ayedah. Meaning normally, Betin is very quick to throw out witnesses. Because the Torah does say, you have to try to save the, uh, the, uh, the guy that's on trial. Betty is not supposed to be very quick to try to convict somebody. So therefore over here, you have a great opportunity. That's not an opportunity. Over here, you got to continue the case, because you can't assume that there was not clarity between when the Ibud was or not. There's a reason, exactly. So comes again when it says, if one says third day of the month, and the other guy comes along and says the fifth day of the month, so now already you can't blame it on the Ibur. The Ibur is not going to make a two-day uh, gap. Now, Edutan Betela means you just throw them out of court. It's not a case of Edim Zumimin where you're going to kill them. Edim Zumim is a different case. That's where two other witnesses come along and say, how could you testify that so-and-so killed in such and such a place? You with us. That, then already the law is, you kill those witnesses. In this case, they're not Edim Zumimim. That is called Edeh Hakhasha, which means they're just contradicting each other. One says three, one says five. Okay, there's a contradiction. They throw them out. Next case. Now they're giving the time of the murder. One says it was in the second hour of the day. One says it was the third hour. 
So he says that the edut is okay. You're off by an hour. At this point, we're thinking they're off by an hour. It's okay. But if they're off by two hours, one guy says three, one guy says in the fifth, right, which is similar to our Mishnah. Right? Our Mishnah also, uh, according to according to Rabbi Yehuda. Uh, 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 right, this is Rabbi Meir. This what is the bet? Bet is correct. Okay. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Edutan Kayemet. Rabbi Yudah says, even if they're off by two hours, their edut is kayemet. So the Gemara says, Echad omer b'chamesh v'echad omer b'sheva. If one says the murder took place in the fifth hour of the day, fifth hour of the day is ten o'clock. The sun is still rising, it's in the east. V'echad omer b'sheva. And the other guy says Besheva, that's already the sun is towards the west. That's already you can't make a mistake on such a thing. Why? Yeah, a guy might make a mistake in time, but when the sun is on one side and you're saying the sun is on the other side where it's easy to to tell the difference, so such a mistake, even according to the Yehuda, that gives you an allowance of two hour mistake, but if the two hours is between right. the east and the west of the sun's position, even the Yehuda is more there. Now he explains the Mahlok in Omar, when you come to establish this Mahlok and the opinions, the Devrei Meir, according to the Meir, in Adam To'ev Velo Kelum, According to the Bimi'ir, a person does not or cannot make a mistake at all. We don't give any allowances in Betty. You have to know the time. What do you mean? We just said they could be off an hour. From two, and he says three, it's okay. But the Bayes says, no, no, no. They have to be precise. Now we'll see. And according to the Yehuda, they could be off a half hour. What do you mean half hour? According to him, we went from three to five, which is two hours. So he explains. You know why? Because the case we're talking about is very specific. The story of that case of Betin, it was the end of the second hour, in the beginning of the third hour. And that's exactly when the murder took place. The end of the second, beginning of the third. And therefore, they had to come out of Shetayim. So the first witness comes along and says, it happened in the second hour. What does he mean? Yeah, at the end of the second. That's when the murder happened, at the end of the second hour. They had to come out Shalosh. And when the guy came along and said the third hour, yeah, in the beginning of the third hour, nobody said anything wrong over here. He, it's the same time. The end of the second, the beginning of the and that's when the murder took place. So he doesn't give you any leeway to make mistakes. So these two hours that were said, two and three still can be interpreted that they're not lying. And according to Yehuda, you give them a half hour uh, leeway. How? Exactly. Three and a half hours uh, into the day, that's when the murder took place. <clears throat> right? 
So one guy comes along and says, Shalosh, what does he mean? Besof Shalosh. He means at the end of the third. He's still off a half hour. So what? He's a half hour uh, early, which means he said at the end of the uh, third. Yeah, but it's three and a half. So therefore, what do we say? Hey, you can give the guy a half hour leeway. The guy that came out Hamish, and the guy that said Hamish, betchidat Hamish. He made a mistake. He said what? In the beginning of the fifth hour, which is what? The katay palga the shatal lahore. He's hour ahead, and therefore half hour ahead, and therefore what? And we give him a half hour leeway. So therefore, according to this version of Abaye, Rabbi Meir, you have to say it's precise, and according to Rabbi Yehuda. Their mistake is within a half hour, and you still give them slack. And therefore the witnesses are still okay. Some have a different version. When you can't establish this machloket, we'll give it a beer. You can make a mistake on a moment. And according to the Yehuda, a guy can make a mistake an hour and a second. Now, the Dever Bimeir, Adam Toe Mashiu, what's the case? Mahaseki Hava, O Besof Shetaim Hava, O Betchilat Shalosh. It either happened at the end, the last second of the second hour, or the first second of the third hour. They had Minayu Toe Mashiu. And somebody's off here a second. Which is the guy that comes, if it happened at the end of the second hour, the guy that comes along and says, third. the uh, third hour, he's off a second. Which means, okay, so you're allowed to be off a second. Now, again, if it happened in the third hour, say, said the third hour, that, that, that's what happened. So at most, a person is, is going off by a mashu. So, according to this version, says, you can't be off a second. If it happened in the third hour, so the guy that said the second hour, so therefore he's off by a uh, by a second as well. At the end of the second hour, he's off by a uh, a mashu. Oh, according to the Yehuda, the Devarer Yehuda Adam to mashu. We give the guy an hour and a second. Maaseki hava o besof shalosh o betchilat hamish. Let's figure out the case. O besof shalosh. Right? It happened, the murder, at the end of the third hour. This guy comes along in and says, Hamish. Well, how much is he off? An hour and a second. So therefore, hour and a second, you gift him. Or it happened in Sha'at Hamish. And the guy comes along and says what? Sha'at Shalosh. Now, he says Sha'at Shalosh, he's also an hour and a second away. So therefore, Either it happened in the shalosh, so the guy saying hamesh is an hour and a, a, a second away, or it happened in the hamesh, right? And the guy that says shalosh is an hour and a second away. So therefore, that's the leeway that's being given by edut. Leeway for what? Not to throw out the edut. We have to accept it, and of course they proceed with the the rishot and the chasinot.